And so I said, I've never met somebody who's incredibly generous and who lives a life that they regret. And so that led me down the path of thinking, man, maybe I've got this wrong. Maybe the way that I'm framing my life and setting my goals is, is not meant to satisfy me. We're about to get very real, a little silly, and you're going to freaking love it. I'm Saren, body image and self-relationship coach, lifestyle, aka everything cute and inspirational, entrepreneur, Pilates and yoga instructor, and spirituality-loving person. Let's get real. We all think the same things. We all have those crazy thoughts. The Soul Speak podcast is here so that we can allow ourselves to have those weird, awkward, unheard of conversations that no one ever talks about and prove that they are normal. Topics on judgment, comparison, inner criticism, sex, lifestyle, and spirituality all will be found right here on this podcast. Each episode, guests and I will not only bring you new ways of thinking, but also bring light into your life all together. Now let's speak soul. Hello, my loves. Welcome to Soul Speak, the podcast. And this is Saren, la 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 la, of course, duh. So it is a Monday, and that means you have an episode with a guest. And this guest is really wonderful. You may have heard him already on a short little clip that I had in, um, I cannot remember what episode it was, but it was a Fast Fab Friday episode, so a short little clip. And it is Joey Gilkey. So he is based out of Knoxville, Tennessee, and he is the founder of Tribe Prospecting, um, which he will tell you more about in the podcast. You will hear all about it. It is an awesome company, and he started it in his 20s, and he's still in his 20s, and it's very, very successful. He is an awesome person and just a really, really great mentor. I mean, this is like an amazing person doing amazing things, but... Not only is he doing amazing with his business, okay? If you listen to the short other episode, then you may know this, but he is all about uncomfortable generosity. So being generous and making it uncomfortable. Making it uncomfortable. And he sets his goals and his um, his business goals around uncomfortable generosity, And I feel like I'm saying that weirdly, but it's basically that. (laughs) Being uncomfortable with how generous he can be, how giving he can be. And it's a really, really awesome concept that we don't all think about because a lot of times we focus our goals on what we're going to get, right? What we're going to get number-wise, what we're going to get mentally, physically for ourselves. But Joey really puts it in a whole new perspective as to why he bases his goals around this and why he allows his company, the people that work for his company, to base their own goals around this as well. So it's a really, really great episode. And yeah, tune in. Here we go. Joey Gilkey. So why don't you go ahead and tell everyone about yourself a bit? Joey is the founder and owner of Tribe Prospecting, but he's going to be able to tell you a little bit more than I will be able to tell you. So why don't you dive sure. in? Sure. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, uh, I'm still in my twenties. Um, I have been lucky and blessed enough to, to start a few companies now. Um, Tribe Prospecting being the main one, that's what I would call my main breadwinner, my main business that I spend my 80, if you've ever heard of the 80, 20 rule, uh, I spend 80% of my time in Tribe and then I let kind of every other business that I have fall into that 20% of my time. Uh, but in that 20%, I've got a commercial real estate investment firm 
where I invest in uh, typical office industrial space, um, real estate, and then I'm actually currently in the process of uh, creating a co-working space here in Tennessee. And then uh, outside of that, I have a sales training and sales recruiting business called Sales Pipeline Accelerator. Uh, So I'm kind of all over the place in terms of I do a lot of things, but as a whole, day in and day out, I uh, I spend most of my day doing tribe prospecting. Mm. Yeah, you do a lot. So two things. First of all, that question made me realize that sometimes I ask people like who they are and then they just say what they do. And I'm like, okay, actually, you know what? I want to know who you are. So who are you? Perfect. That's <laughs> an even, I love that. Okay, cool. So yeah, I am a, again, I'm in my late twenties, married to my beautiful wife now of six years, Rachel. Um, she's incredible. We live in uh, Knoxville, Tennessee, which actually is not quite Nashville, but close enough. Uh, we're in Knoxville. We uh, love the mountains. We live in the middle of the mountains. Actually, Sarah, you and I were, I showed you kind of a, a video mm-hmm. shot of uh, our office looking out at the mountains and the mm-hmm. river. We're pretty lucky to live where we live. Um, cost of living is incredible, but uh, kind of what makes us tick is, um, you know, I think that we have a pretty special why for why we do things. And I think we'll get into that more deeply. Um, but I, I've kind of gone through a transformation personally um, that I, I hope for a lot of folks who are in my type of position as an entrepreneur or just a high, um, high performing individual. And that's really just transitioning from being very self-driven. So trying to create um, essentially a kingdom, if you will, for myself. Kingdom is probably a little bit of a loose term there, but essentially only goal setting for my, my benefit to transitioning to being, how is it that I can goal set and achieve for other people? And, and we'll get into that why a little bit later on, on my transformation to becoming what I call uncomfortably generous. Um, but that's kind of what makes us tick. I'm incredibly outdoorsy athletic, uh, played football in college, um, at a high level. And then, uh, People don't typically know this about me, but I was a theater major. Oh, really? I was. Yeah. You so were. Yeah. Oh my Division gosh. One, Division one college football player with the Thessalonians. <laughs> so that's awesome. I throw, throw my pads off, jump in the shower, throw some different clothes on, and go on a stage. It was oh, kind yeah. of my uh, my college experience, which was a little bit different. Uh, I love it. I love the production side of things. I love being in front of people. I think it served me a ton in my career, just being in front of people and speaking and, um, you know, I don't want to say putting on act, but essentially being able to present myself in a way that entertains the room. I think that that has served me in a long way. I was also a double major. So psychology was the other one. Oh my God. That's that has been fun. That is great. I love that. So did you do a lot of uh, theater in high school then? I didn't know. That was really funny. What? I didn't do theater until. How did this happen? It, it was so weird. So I went to college pretty much to play football, to be quite honest. I mean, I was on a full ride. I didn't have to go for academics. Um, it's pretty funny. I'm, I'm pretty intelligent, but I don't like school. I, it bores me. I don't enjoy it. I can make bees without trying kind of thing. And so I just didn't try. And so I was like, well, how can I? get by and just kind of play football and figure things out with my life. And so you have to take a few electives your freshman year. Uh, I ended up deciding, well, last minute I'll do theater. How hard can that be? 
Um, and I got in there and I just got sucked into the, to the environment and the thought that I can create something, um, with a storyboard and I could tell a story and I could put on a production. Um, so I never did theater. Uh, was not, I'm not an artistic individual, um, growing up. Like I didn't know how to play the guitar. I do now, but at the time I, I wasn't a musical. It was my whole life was sports. Growing up, I played football from the age of seven. I played baseball from the age of four. Um, and then a few other sports in between there. And that was pretty much my entire life. <clears throat> but as I narrowed my focus to only being able to play football in college, it kind of opened me up to a few other things. And uh, that's what led me to the stage. Which is <laughs> that sounds like the title of your there. book. <laughs> that's right? what led me to the stage. I that's love a great that. book. It is. Yeah. I really, really like that. That's awesome. So two I think it's great that you did that without caring what anyone thought, you know, being someone that was so athletic and so like, oh, like manly, I'm, you know, I'm going to play football. You didn't, you just kind of did that, right? Like, that's Yeah, cool. you are who you are. And I think owning that, um, you know, we're all weird in a the sense. There's no one who's exactly the same. And so, yeah. you know, do what you're passionate about. And that is, that's what's been incredible about my entrepreneur. That's why I think I've seen success at a young age and built businesses that I would deem successful is because I think that I've just not cared what people thought. People told me I was too young to start my own business. Uh, I didn't have enough experience. I, and my goal has been, well, I'm going to, I'm going to do me. If doing me leads me to a failed business, it's going to lead me to a failed business and I'm okay with that. Um, but thankfully it hasn't led me to a failed business or multiple businesses. And uh, I think that has served me and the people around me pretty well. Cause I've kind of been able, I've been able to create my own path. Um, I didn't do the corporate, I didn't do the work nine to five, build up a 401k. And, you know, I, I kind of did things differently. And because of that, I think I've, I've had a lot of really unique opportunities that a lot of people won't experience because they're too afraid to be themselves. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Um, so let's dive into that. So how did you get started with all of your businesses where did that kind of blossom from and how did you get started with that like did you have a cushion of money that was you know allowing you to be okay with just doing this or how did this all start for you yeah uh the last question is no I didn't I bootstrapped it from zero essentially mm -hmm. um so really funny I actually left college and went into full-time college Christian ministry for a year, which was uh, an interesting experience. I left that and I did take a corporate job for five months and it was a corporate IT recruiting. I hated it, uh, but I, I gained a lot of valuable skills even in the short time because they have, and the good thing about corporate is they have their training down. And so I went into a full blown training session that was three months long that trained me on sales and business development and those types of things. Um, I ended up hating the environment, which was essentially a cubicle farm, get there at seven 30, leave at seven 30, um, and get paid very little. And so I left that, I ended up taking another, uh, business development, more of a director of business development role for a small business. And that's when I kind of fell in love with small business and entrepreneurship. Um, it was not a sexy industry. It was commercial risk management, if you will. Um, which is kind of a, a, a sexier term for commercial insurance mm. for businesses. And um, I wasn't thrilled with the industry, but I, that was where I essentially got to be more me. I 
start in a position where nobody was looking over my shoulder. I could work remotely. Um, I had to get scrappy. And so I learned a lot of valuable skills in my year and a half there. Uh, but some time along or some point in that timeline, I fell in love with uh, digital marketing. So I was in a sales career. I was in business development. Uh, I fell in love with what at the time was kind of coined by HubSpot as inbound marketing. So content marketing, um, driving leads inbound. And so I kind of went on this path of on the side as a quote unquote side hustle, educating myself in all things digital marketing. And so my goal was to take these certifications, uh, get educated, and then try to get into the digital marketing world. Well, that happened. Um, I ended up getting a, offered a job to be VP of sales for a HubSpot agency, um, which is a you know, digital marketing agency that specializes in the HubSpot marketing platform, as well as content marketing. And uh, grew that really quickly, got to build a cool team. Um, you know, be around a bunch of awesome marketers. Uh, the agency owner himself was actually uh, just an awesome dude. Um, I learned a lot from him in my time there, but I realized that I was building someone else's dream. And so my goal then was I'm going to take what I know, uh, which is mostly sales uh, with a little bit of digital marketing. and I'm going to go try to start my own thing. So I set out to start my own thing, um, made a couple of pivots as I did that. And uh, that's kind of what created what is tribe prospecting today and how long ago was that that was two years ago um so we made a pivot the cool thing about tribe was um it, it really happened by accident so i actually set out to start my own marketing agency um what we would, we would kind of coin ourselves as a growth agency so we focused a lot on kind of growth hacking certain social platforms um to help you know businesses grow um, and generate leads, but also generate PR. And so there's a, there's a movement kind of called growth hacking, which how do we gain the system? How do we work the algorithms in your favor um, in unconventional ways? And then also how do you layer on content marketing and some other things on top of that? And so I got into that and uh, what I realized was sales has always been natural to me. It's what I'm gifted at, um, leading someone through the sales cycle and convincing them of our value prop and how we're gonna help solve their pain points is where I really excel. And so generating leads and opportunities and sales was not an issue for me. However, um, on my journey, I got into a mastermind with other digital agency owners. About 70 other agency owners are in this group with me. And uh, I started realizing the one thing that I'm really good at, sales, generation of leads um, for our business, a lot of these agency owners struggle with. And I think a, the biggest reason for that is because a lot of agency owners don't have the path that I did, which was sales to marketing to agency owner. A lot of them essentially go marketing so they could do something cool in marketing, whether it's write content or build websites or build apps uh, or do advertising and they work for somebody else. And then someone along the road came and said, Hey, would you mind doing something for me on the side as a freelancer? They did that, realized they could make more money, have more freedom and flexibility doing it themselves. Uh, they started their own quote unquote freelancing marketing business that then transitioned to them with word of mouth, growing it, hiring somebody. And next thing you know, an agency's birthed. And so then they have to kind of learn how to sell. They're no longer handed projects. And, um, and so a lot of these agency owners are creatives trying to sell as opposed to me, which was a salesperson trying to be a creative. And so, um, 
I noticed that. And so I said, Hey, I'm going to help some of my struggling peers in this mastermind, see if I can help them sell. And, uh, I did that uh, as a beta test. I made zero money doing it. I was just kind of testing it and uh, it was wildly successful. These guys, you know, changed some of their businesses. And so I said, well, I think I have something here that's fairly unique. Uh, let me start a business that essentially does outsource sales for agencies. Uh, and that's how tribe prospecting was birthed. It was more kind of by accident than it was, uh, with, you know, full blown intention. I love that. That's great. <laughs> yeah, it's better it's, than you would have, you know, thought of on your own. It just, that's, I think that's great. And that's a great thing to note for any entrepreneurs or people looking to get into their own business listening is that it's not always going to be like exactly the way your plan is. And being open to those other things is so, so important when you are an entrepreneur because things are going to pivot for the best, for the best, even when they seem like they are not pivoting for the best. Yeah. And I think that's what was a really great education for me. And it's really served me in the other businesses that I've created is I think that I've found that you, the, the equation for success is essentially finding the biggest pain point for the most amount of people and finding a solution creatively to solve that and positioning yourselves as an expert to do that. And so that's what tribe did. We niched down really hard. We said, Hey, we only work with marketing agencies. Now, we've grown to the point where we're expanding past that. But when we first started out, it was, Hey, we do done for you prospecting for marketing agencies only. And, uh, you know, our tagline was we help agency owners experience the freedom of a consistently full pipeline. Uh, and that was our tagline. That's what we ran with. Um, and it's only now starting to pivot because we've grown to the point where we need to start looking at other industries and our service serves other industries. Um, but it was one of those things where it wasn't what I asked for, but it was what I needed. And at the same time, I think it's what other people needed. And it was a big pain point for a lot of people that I just happened to know how to fix. And, uh, and that's just kind of how it happened. So I think if anyone takes anything away from this, hopefully there's more when we start talking about generosity, but from a business standpoint is if you're, if you're still trying to search, what is it that I want to do for this world or for this, uh, for my niche, whatever it is, it's what is it that they, what is their biggest pain point? What has the most amount of people in it that has that pain point? And how can you creatively solve that? I want to ask something that actually might sound selfish with that, because this is something that actually I have felt before. And so, you know, when you're looking at um, your audience and trying to craft what you're doing, sometimes it's easy to get sucked into like the, what will they think about it mindset, right? Like, okay, if I write this or if I do this or if I create this, like what, how will they like that? But also, you know, you do need to balance that from what, what is coming from you because that's where the magic is coming from. So have you ever felt like that with your own business? Is businesses. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. I think there's always this, um, there's always this feeling of like, how is it going to be received? Um, but I think it kind of goes back to me being on stage and on the field simultaneously in college. I, I think there was this, no, I know this is a problem. It's, it's a common problem that I'm seeing. It's, uh, it's also something that I happen to be good at. And I want to essentially change the narrative around that. And I'm going to go all in on that until, 
until I figure it out or until the marketplace hears me. And, and at some point there is such thing as having a bad idea, right? And so um, there are plenty of things that fail, but I think that ultimately if you can do those two things, if you can solve a pain point and it can be for a lot of people. And I think that if you know how to get in front of those people that have that pain point, there's, there's almost no chance that if you have the product that actually does solve that problem, that you're not going to be successful. And so I think it starts there is do I solve an actual problem? And, and realize may not even be a problem. There's two things that we sell in life. It's either we sell pain or we sell pleasure. So pain is we solve a, or we sell a solution that solves a pain point. Pleasure is more ego driven. So I don't need this, but I want this. Um, you know, that can be something like, I don't know, iPhone, the brand new iPhone, you don't need it, but you want it. That's kind of a pleasure purchase. Um, and so I think that's how you have to realize like, what is, what do I do? What do I provide? Do I provide pain or pleasure? Um, and then once you understand that, then I think it's a, and you're able to put yourself and position yourself in front of them correctly. Um, that I think that it's going to take off no matter what, it's just a matter of having the actual service or product and knowing how to get in front of them. And, and that's the hard part is people don't necessarily know how to get in front of the right people. Um, that's kind of an art in and of itself too. Um, I don't know if that answered your question. If that didn't, then, please feel free to ask again. No, <laughs> it did answer my question. It did. Um, yeah. I think that it's just in general, I think too, like we were saying in the beginning, just being confident with what you, you know, just being confident in yourself. Because when you're saying like right now, I, it, there's no way it's going to fail. It's, it's also a mindset thing too, because when you really believe in something, you know, when you believe in it, otherwise you wouldn't be really moving forward with it or, you just know when you believe, especially as an entrepreneur, you know what you believe in and what is that feeling of, yes, this is what I need to keep like digging a hole in right now because this is going to do something as opposed Absolutely. to those other little things that could be good ideas, but you're like, eh, I don't know about that one. Yeah. And I, I love that because I think the word that comes to mind there is just conviction, like having a strong conviction about what you do, what you provide. Um, and I think conviction leads to action. And I, th I believe that there's a couple of different parts to that, right? I think, I think the why is also incredibly important. If you're just in it to make a quick buck, you might make a quick buck, but you're not gonna be satisfied or happy um, or feel fulfilled in what you're doing. Um, but I do think that if you have a genuine conviction and your conviction is that this product or service solves this particular pain point or provides this type of pleasure, then I think that that's going to drive action and the people who essentially act and who are the people who are actually doing the work that's necessary to be successful are eventually going to be successful. Whether it's in this venture or another one, you're, you're sharpening uh, an ax, if you will, um, that you're going to either use in this venture or another one. And I think that's, that's what drives successful commerce is you're convicted that this product or service uh, is going to change people for the better. Yeah, I love that. So why don't we hear a little bit more about the why and because that's so important to you. So your journey with that and mm. how you feel with it now. Yeah. So my why is I'll just kind of share the why first and kind of how I got there next. So my why is I want to live an uncomfortably generous life. Um, so I'll get into what that means here in a minute, but the backstory behind that really is Sarah and I'm, I'm an incredibly high, highly ambitious, very motivated, 
goal oriented individual. If you take all the personality tests, whether it's Myers Briggs or the Colby or any of these tests, I'm kind of off the charts in terms of just high achiever. Uh, I'm very driven. I'm driven by goals. And so for me, I've always lived this life of, I want to set goals for myself and I want to blow them out of the water. I mean, that served me in sports. You know, I've still hold a bunch of records in football for um, my college and for my conference that I was in. A lot of that's just because I'm so driven to achieve and be the best that I can be. And hopefully the best that I can be is better than other people. <laughs> and so um, that's where I started. I've always set goals for myself. Um, every year I, you know, I lead this group here locally uh, called Business Professionals 2.0 or BP 2.0. And it's really a group of young people, you know, in their late twenties, early thirties who are incredibly ambitious, but want to maintain integrity um, and, and keep integrity at the core. And so accountability is a part of that. But what we do multiple times a year is we get away on our retreat and we set these goals for ourselves. So we have these workshops that we do together. We kind of have some prompts. We have some quiet time where we have, you know, we get to unplug and, you know, we're out typically there's a, about a 140 acre farm that we typically go and rent out. Um, near Nashville and we'll go there's zero cell service out there um we'll go we'll shoot guns we'll ride tractor or um, four-wheelers and it's a good time but it's it's also an awesome time where we unplug and uh, oftentimes we come away from these trips really envisioned for the next six to twelve months um in terms of goals and so you can take that however you want in terms of what types of goals you want to set but for me I found myself setting a lot of incredibly ambitious goals that were mostly me centric. So how much can I accumulate? What's my net worth? How many you know, real estate projects can I do this year? Uh, what type of money do I want to take home? How much do I want to save? How much do I want to invest? All these things that were me centric, which in and of themselves are not bad. I, don't, I want to make sure people hear that. It's not bad to have those goals. I think they're good. Uh, but if that's all I had, and so, I ended up going on a trip with my wife. We went to San Diego, um, which is actually where her and I met. And so we took a two week trip there shortly after this last go around um, on this retreat that we did. And uh, we get to the beach and uh, we're sitting on the beach, staring out the ocean. My wife asked me, Hey, how'd your retreat go? What goals did you set for us? And um, I told her my goals and I was super excited to tell her man, these are ambitious. I want to do these things. We're going to have this much baby. We're making it, we're creating a life for ourselves kind of thing. And after I got done explaining my goals, I found myself kind of empty and a little bit like, huh, explaining those goals and talking about them out loud didn't make me feel the way I thought they should make me feel. They're big, they're audacious, uh, they're ambitious. And um, I started asking myself the question, why is that? Why am I not, what I feel like I wouldn't be satisfied if I hit those goals. And so I started talking to my wife about it a little bit. We had a long conversation. Um, I also had a business coach at the time. So I talked to him about it. And, um, you know, it, it led me on this journey of this path to kind of discovering what my new, new why is. And so I asked myself, why am I not satisfied with this? What do I know to be true? I know that I have met and I'm friends with a lot of people who have achieved a lot in life. Um, there's an example that I use. I have a local contact here that I've become friends with in Knoxville, Tennessee, that he's worth $750 million, but he's miserable. Uh, his family's not doing well. 
he's not happy. He feels like he's always working. He's never taking time for family. But if you look at him on paper, he's probably the most successful person I know. And so he's achieved the goals. He's a high achiever. He's done all the things that I'm seeking out to do, but he's not happy. He's not satisfied. And so I said, I asked myself the question again, what, what else do I know to be true? I have a lot of other friends who are incredibly generous with what they've made. Some of them haven't made much, but they're still generous. Some of them have made millions and millions and they're very generous with their time and their money. And so I said, I've never met somebody who's incredibly generous and who lives a life that they regret. And so that led me down the path of thinking, man, maybe I've got this wrong. Maybe the way that I'm framing my life and setting my goals is, is not meant to satisfy me. And, uh, and so it's led me down this path of saying, how can I set goals? How can I have ambition around other people? How can I give more of my time? How can I give more of my finances? How can my business be um, a force for impact in this world outside of just monetary gain? And so that's what led me to the phrase uncomfortably generous. I want to be continually pushing my boundaries on how generous I can be. So I've always had an aspect of generosity. My wife and I, we've always given an okay amount. Um, And I 10x that this year in terms of my goal for that is, hey, I've given this much. I want to do 10 times that this year. Um, And then hopefully next year I say, I want to do 10 times that. And my goal is to continue to push the boundary because I know that I can, I can actually see the impact that that goal is having on other people. So sorry, that was a lot, but that was the journey. Oh, that was great. That was awesome. So that's so, so great because I feel like a lot of people don't realize that until they have it in front of them, that misery. So that's so great that, and so lucky, like you called it, that you were able to kind of, actually, I wouldn't, it's a little bit of luck, but also it's you, it's who you are. You were able to see, have your eyes very open to, hey, like this is what's happening and use your intuition really to see how you feel about these things and then shift it when that feeling was not right. And that's another big takeaway is basically like we were just talking about, but knowing what feelings feel good because those feelings are always going to lead you to what is better and keep you going with the momentum in your business. That's exactly right. Yeah. And I think, I think why this was different because I've always set goals and I've never had that feeling before. Like I did this go around. Um, you know, I think that I didn't have anything. And so setting these monetary accumulated goals, if you will, self-centered goals, weren't as I I didn't have a whole lot to base my how is that going to make me feel but since my businesses have somewhat taken off um I've I've tasted success I've I've got more money than I than I ever thought I'd have in my 20s and and it's not made me feel the way that I initially probably in my early 20s would have thought that it made me feel and so I think being informed and educated now by experiencing and tasting some of that that I've sought out to do for myself. I think that helped me. And I think it does take some people time to get there. Um, I I don't think that I could have had this epiphany, if you will, in my mid to early twenties, because I hadn't really tasted some of that success that I was craving. And now that I'm, I've I've tasted it. uh, I realize that that stuff's really not going to be there at the end and I can't take it with me. Uh, It's not going to leave a legacy. 
And so those are the things I think of now. And I'm grateful that I, that I had that ability, but I hope maybe if someone listens to this and maybe they haven't achieved massive financial success yet and felt the emptiness that comes with just pursuing money and success, I hope that that would encourage you to start exploring. Those aren't bad things. and I still want you to accomplish those things. Um, but maybe there's something more to it that's going to help keep you motivated. Maybe you don't have to run into the, the point where you achieve all those things and you're kind of still sitting there with your hands open, wondering why you're not satisfied. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes it's just, you need to do it, right? Like it, it needs to happen in that order so that, because people can hear you saying this, right? But Mm -hmm. until they truly feel it in their core, then they're not actually going to embrace it and do it. So some of you might be able to take this and run with it. And then some of you might not be able to and actually need that to go through just like you did, Joey, so that you can experience it. And like everything is an experience and you're going to do it when you're ready, when you are ready. Yep, exactly. Yeah. I love it. Uh, so what are some ways that you have seen yourself be generous um, in this new level of generosity? <laughs> yeah, it's great. some examples I, of that? Well, practically, um, I think everyone should do this. I think it's a really good idea. My business coach actually pointed me in this direction. Um, there are such things out there are things out there that are called generosity funds, um, which if you're a business owner, if you just give in general, it's really helpful because one thing I hate doing at the end of the year is trying to collect all of my giving statements and for tax purposes, it, it's just a nightmare to get all those over to my accountant. Um, a, a donor advised fund essentially is a place where you can put all the money that you want to give into this fund and you can give through the fund to whatever organizations or causes or nonprofits that you want to give to. Um, And at the end of the year, all your statements go to the donor advised fund and the donor advised fund spits out one sheet of paper that has all your giving on it. So that's one practical thing that I did was I started donor advised fund. Um, And so that's been really cool because it also, they invest that money while it's put in the account. So if you put $5,000 in there today, uh, it might have 5,200 in there by the end of the month. And now you're actually able to give an additional 200 based on the money that they invested. And that's actually how they make their money because they're typically nonprofits themselves um, is that they take a portion of what they help increase the interest in. Um, so that's a practical thing that I did was I started donor advised funds. Um, you know, and my goal has been to slice off a portion of all my businesses and put it in there. Um, and, and I actually wanted to emphasize that, I do a percentage of revenue, not a percentage of profit. So for me, um, I don't want to essentially give what's left over. I want to give of my first fruits, if you will. And so if I have a hundred thousand dollar deal that comes through the pipeline, I want to give $10,000 right out the gate. And instead of saying, well, I've got $50,000 of expenses. I'm going to pay $20,000 in taxes. I've got 30,000 left over. I'll give 10% of that. That's three grand. I want to give a percentage of my revenue because that incentivizes me uh, to continue to one, grow my revenue. So what's funny about this, Saren, is this is really cool. It's when you start creating generosity goals, your other goals that were more accumulation and net worth and growth oriented for yourself get blown out of the water. So if I look at the goals that I did set for myself, 
uh, in terms of net worth and revenue and all that. And then I look at where I'm at now after I've completely changed my life to being generosity focused. I've actually hit all those goals already, which is hilarious. <laughs> so it's really funny how that works is when, you know, you do things that are bigger than yourself. I think that those things that you were trying to accomplish look a lot smaller. And so that's, what's been cool. So I started the donor advised fund. Um, I started a couple you know, generosity challenges on LinkedIn and a couple other people in my network, just trying to encourage other people to give. Um, something we do at Tribe is for every employee that we have, I give them a thousand dollars towards vacation every year. So not only do they get vacation days and get paid for those days, but I also give them a thousand dollars to to go enjoy their vacation stress free. But I also give them a thousand dollars to give as a generosity. I want I want to create and stoke uh, that that passion for generosity in my employees. And so I give them a thousand dollars to give to whatever organization they care about. Um, and then I also tell them if you want to give any of your own money on top of this thousand dollars, I'll match you dollar for dollar. And so I want to create a desire in people that when they hand that thousand, fifteen hundred, two thousand dollar check over to someone that they care about an organization they care about that they feel what that, that feeling feels like. And I want that to hopefully carry on past tribe prospecting what they do, you know, while they're with tribe, I hope that that creates a discipline in them to want to be generous with their lives. Uh, um, so that's, that's a little thing that we've done. That's been really cool. Um, we've also done like corporate giving in terms of, Hey, collectively, who do you guys want to give to this quarter as a team? So we come together and uh, we try to figure out, let's put some nonprofits on the table let's talk about their story. Let's try to really understand those nonprofits, what impact they're trying to make and what impact do we want to, to essentially have an influence on with tribe. And uh, so the team kind of gets a hand raise on who they want to give to. And so there's, there's different areas that we've done this, but, and it's still been kind of a newer thing. It's been less than a year that I've been trying to do this. Um, but it's been really cool. It's been oh an awesome transfer. Less than a year. And then just imagine what it, can be in five years. Isn't that crazy to think about? Yeah, it is. And I hope that we're continuing to, to push the boundaries. You're going to like build a village. I would love, <laughs> build I would a love to build a village for the homeless. That's and the cool thing too is like, you know, it's kind of bled into my hiring process as well. Like I, well, in two ways. One, obviously it's, it's part of our core values now. So if you look at our core values, we got six of them. Uncomfortable generosity is one of them. So when we hire people, it doesn't mean that you have to be someone who's currently giving. It's that, are you open to living a life of generosity? Um, because if you are, then I think that if you come into our culture, you're going to be someone who takes on that uncomfortable generosity trait over time. And so we hire based off of it, but also in the hiring process, um, I look to give people opportunities that maybe wouldn't have that opportunity. Uh, case in point, um, I have a passion for inner city kids, uh, predominantly African-American because I feel like they're a marginalized people. I feel like they don't have as many opportunities or they don't have as many people around them to, uh, to create a desire in them to go achieve. There's not as many engineers to look up to in the inner city. There's not as many entrepreneurs to look up to in the inner city. And so how can they become something if they've never seen it? Um, and so for me, it's how do I get myself involved with the inner city uh, and it's actually led to me hiring. Um, you know, I have a videographer that 
follows me around essentially that uh, I just hired who's an inner city kid from Memphis who just I can tell he's a hustler I can tell he wants to work hard and I can tell that he wants an opportunity and I want to be able to I want to be generous and even though I can go hire somebody who's probably got a full-blown education in video and audio I want to give this kid an opportunity and I want to give him something that maybe other people wouldn't um, both because I believe in him but also because I want to be generous and not just always pick the cream of the crop, but I want to create the cream of the crop by giving an opportunity to somebody who could become that. Now, I'm not going to be foolish. It's my business. I want to make sure that we're profitable and, and always growing because if we're not, then I can't achieve my generosity goals. But um, I do think there's a place where uh, you can be a little bit more generous in that regard. And some people might disagree with that, but I think you have to also be in a particular position in business where you can afford to do that. I can afford to take a chance on someone. Um, if, if you're just starting out and you're making your first couple of hires, maybe don't do that. Uh, uh, I would probably advise you to, to find the best of the best to create a good, successful, profitable business. Uh, but once you get to a certain point where you can afford to pay a you know, $35,000, $40,000 salary and take a chance on somebody, um, I think it's a great opportunity for you to stretch uh, yourself a little bit, your comfort zone, uh, but also make a big impact on someone who maybe wouldn't have been given that chance in the first place. Yeah. Oh, I love the kindness in your heart. Seriously, you have so much of it and you can just tell it's just who you are as a person. So that is amazing. Um, and I also think that it comes with a, uh, you don't really have a lack mindset, do you? You've never, have you really found yourself in that? Like a lack of like, there's not going to be enough money or there's not going to no. be enough and um, so what advice would you have for those people that feel like they are in that place but want to get yeah. to a place of generosity? Yeah, this is, this is actually one of the things that I love to, if I could preach on something, it would be you don't have to be, uh, you don't have to have resources to be resourceful. Um, I think a lot of folks get stuck in this, well, I don't have this or I'm not this. And I think you'll find in life that, uh, anything is possible if you're willing to be resourceful. And so I think for me, I started my business with zero. I actually started with in, in the negative technically because I was using credit cards to start my business. Um, and now we're in the seven figures, um, you know, less than two years later, but it's because I was willing to be scrappy and resourceful at the beginning. So that can look practically like, Hey, I can't hire someone, but I can barter services with someone. I can't, um, I can't afford the bills this month, but I can take out a line of credit. Um, like those are things that maybe some financial experts like Dave Ramsey or something wouldn't advise you on, but we're entrepreneurs. We take risks. So, uh, that's kind of my, my thought on the matter is, uh, you don't have to have resources to be resourceful. You know, one prime example and real estate's a really great, um, place that, that shows this, you don't have to have money to make money in real estate. Um, you just need to be able to know the right people or be willing to meet the right people. You need to be willing to, to bring people in on deals and joint venture. Uh, a phrase that I love um, is I'd rather have a slice of a watermelon than a full grape. And so what I mean by that is I'd rather be a part of something bigger and bring a lot of people into it and only have a slice of something big than try to essentially find a way to just keep my grape 100% mine. 
And so let's just say a building, for instance, I want to go buy a million dollar building. I don't have a million dollars, but I have hustle. I have the ability to um, help manage some of the project management or whatever on the, on the deal, but I don't have the money. So what if I go and find someone with the money who doesn't have the time that I do? And I say, Hey, I'll trade some of my time for equity in this building. You'll trade your money for equity in this building. And then maybe there's a couple other people that do different things, but that's a way that you can create wealth for yourself without having any money to start. And that's in real estate, but that's how business works in general. Try to find a way to joint venture with people who maybe possess a skill set or a resource that you don't have and find a way to take less of the pie originally, but it, you're still getting way more out of your slice than if you're just to try to do it on your own or not do it at all. Yeah, that's interesting. I like that. Um, so I am curious. So one of the last things I want to ask too is what are the top three things that you feel like you have learned about yourself up to this point that maybe it could just be recent things, but what are the really big top three things that you've seen shifts in with yourself for the better and that you have learned for yourself? Yeah, that's good. I think um, this is off the top of the dome, so we'll see, but I I do know a few for sure. So one is um, it never pays off to cut corners ever. Um, you know, I think that that's one shift that I've seen in my life. Not that I cheat or did anything wrong as much as I could have done something better or more up to a certain standard than I did. But what I've learned nowadays is it never pays off uh, to cut corners, anything. And so, and even if it's in taxes, right? Like it's, it's really easy to fudge your taxes and find loopholes and those types of things. I've learned that it never pays off in the long run. And so I think that that's one thing I've grown in for the better is just as a human being, um, you are who you are when no one's looking. And that's kind of a cheesy phrase, but I think it's true. Uh, you, you and your makeup are who you are when no one's essentially keeping you accountable. And so as a business owner, as an entrepreneur who no one's really looking over my shoulder, I am who I am when I have my office doors closed and I'm doing business, right? So honesty, integrity, those things are always going to prevail over cutting corners um, and finding loopholes. So that's, that's one area that I think has been really powerful growth for me. Obviously the generosity thing is probably the second one. I think um, something I've learned about myself is I am capable of far more than I thought. Um, and I, and I thought a lot of myself, right? I'm, I wouldn't call myself arrogant. I call myself very confident. I'm confident what I can do. I'm confident in my ability to accomplish. Um, but I have kind of scared myself in the sense of like, man, you, you have a lot of power in your words and your abilities, Joey. So use that for good. <laughs> Cause that can be used uh, for bad. And I think we're all capable of doing that uh, to some degree. Even if we don't believe we are not, I think we're all just human and we're capable of utilizing our abilities and skill sets for, for good or bad. And so learning that Joey, you can accomplish a lot of things. I think you should always side on the side of being on the right side, the good side. And so I've definitely learned that about myself. That's been an awesome realization, if nothing else for me. Um, and the last is, is, uh, 
you know, you kind of create your own destiny, if you will. Um, I don't want to get too woo woo Tony Robbins necessarily, but I do think that there is an aspect that if you believe you can do something, you could do it. Um, and, and I do believe that those who believe somewhat have an attraction to themselves, the law of attraction, however you want to define that, I think has some validity to it where when you speak something into existence and you believe that you can do this or that, you are going to naturally create the actions and the opportunities and things are going to kind of flow to you that maybe wouldn't have flown to you if you didn't speak that into existence or believe that about yourself or believe that about your company or even believe that about other people around you. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's crazy yeah. when you start having employees and you start believing what they can achieve and you, you express that to them. It's wild to see them actually come into that and, and become that. Wow. And so I think speaking, speaking things into existence, um, no, I'm, I'm, I know we're not necessarily on a, a religious podcast, if you will, but I'm, I'm a Christian. I believe that, that God, uh, gives all good things. And so there is an aspect where there is a law of attraction, but I do think that a lot of it's blessing that I've been given, uh, by the Lord. Um, and I can't necessarily manipulate that. Um, so there's, it's a, it's a weird balance of speaking things into existence, but also living a life extremely grateful. Yeah, I was actually going to ask about that too, um, like between religion and like value in that kind of arena, and then also this mindset and business and attraction value. How do you find that balance? So, what does that look for? What does that look like in your brain right now? Yeah, I think for me, it's and it's a really hard conversation. It's one that I wrestle with. But I, I do think that I do think that there is an aspect of positivity. Positivity breeds positivity and, and positive things for the most part. I do think also at the same time, the Lord is always shaping and growing us. And sometimes the Lord wants to shape and grow us in ways that does not look like prosperity. And so I think it's a weird, it's, it's a, it's a holding things very loosely. Um, and realizing that everything that's given to me is not mine in the first place. And I think that's also what has enabled my generosity is that I realize that every dollar in my bank account, every investment that I own, uh, every business that I've been entrusted is not mine in the first place. Yes. I worked hard for it. Yes. I I've, I've gone and created opportunities if you will, but I think even the opportunities that I've been given and the skill sets that I've been given and the person that I am was given to me by the Lord. And so I think, gratefulness has really enabled me uh, to hold things very loosely and realize they're not mine in the first place. So be a good steward of them. You know, if, if my, if my dad were to give me money or a car or whatever, and he was just to give it to me, I would probably want to take really good care of that and be a good steward of that. So similarly, I would consider God my heavenly father. And so he's given me a lot with business and relationships and opportunities how can I be an amazing steward of those things? And um, again, not to get on the religious high horse here, but in Genesis, there's a, everyone at least has probably heard of, or most people have heard of Adam and Eve, the story in the garden. And uh, what's really cool is God gave Adam and Eve two commandments at the beginning. And he told Adam, he said, Adam, I want you and Eve to multiply, which is a good God honoring thing. We won't get into that part of things, but the other is I want you to till the garden. I want you to essentially take what I've given you, a plot of land, 
and I want you to till it and make it more beautiful than when I gave it to you. And so that's my belief is that my life, my, my business, my finances, my relationships is my garden that God has given me. I've just been called to till it and give it back to him more beautiful than when he gave it. Mm, that is wonderful. I love it. Oh, so great. So many good things in here. Thank you for sharing that too, by the way. Um, there's a lot of, a lot of things that you are building your life on and just your values that are so, so, um, so blossoming. <laughs> I can't sure. think of the word I want to say. They're, they're yeah. to blossom really, you know, you're yes. setting yourself up in good ways and not even like on purpose. It's really because you just really, really feel and want to do that. And so yeah. um, I think that's wonderful. And yeah. yeah, so thank you for sharing all of that. Uh, is there anything else that you feel like you want to share with everyone listening? Yeah. I mean, I think at the end of the day, I think that finding what makes you tick is important. Uh, I'll tell you now, it's not going to be money or success. Um, and so what is, and money and success can play into those things, but at the end of the day, if those things are, are at the core, they're not going to satisfy. And so really searching whatever that might be for you, um, trying to figure that out. So if you're in a position now where you feel like all you're trying to pursue is financial freedom and success, realize those aren't, those aren't bad things at all. I want you to have those things. I think you should, you should pursue them. But at the end of the day, what happens when you achieve those? What, what do you have left after that? And what's, what's going to essentially be your legacy? Because um, I think what's cool about my transformation, and I don't take credit for it, but I think what's really cool is I could lose everything and still have the same joy that I have today. Um, and so I think truly really trying to find and root yourself, try, try to find your true joy that isn't tied to monetary value. And as you do that, I think you'll find that the monetary things will still keep continue to come, but you won't hold a lot of stock in those things. And so that if you were to lose it and hopefully I never do because I still want to have massive impact. But if I were to lose it, I think that my joy is going to be stable no matter what. And then I'll probably try to go make it again. But (laughs) (laughs) at the end of the day, that's the freedom that I've, I feel like I get to live in now, which I, I wouldn't have said two years ago, I had that freedom. And, and I don't think that I would have said that I was holding things loosely and that if I was to lose it all, that I'd be okay. Um, but nowadays I, I really genuinely can say if I was to lose it all, one, I would get really scrappy and resourceful again, and I'd probably create the same life that I'm trying to create now. But two, um, my joy would not be shaken at all. I, my joy is found in things that, that are not monetary. Um, and so that would be my, hopefully what I believe uh, or I hope that people take away from this is, uh, go search, go, go on a treasure hunt for what is my joy. Um, if you want to talk about that, I'm happy to do that as well. I help you discover that, but I'm sure Saren, you can also help people figure that out. Um, it's a really cool journey. It's one that I think's uh, a valiant pursuit, if you will, to try to figure out. So good luck on your journey. <laughs> and they're off. <laughs> Oh, I love it. Thank you so much for sharing all of that. It makes me so happy for you. Just, I loved this conversation. It was so great, so unique. And I think everyone listening will think the same. So the last question that I always ask my guests is, if someone asked you how they can hear their soul speak, what would you tell them? 
I do think that there is something special about quiet times. I think that we are surrounded by a lot of distraction, phone, people, opportunities to some degree. Um, I am extremely guilty of this because I'm a high performer visionary. So ideas are never lacking in my life. And so I can always be thinking about something, but I think for me, um, really going inward and, and sitting down with myself, I think self-awareness is really key. And I don't think that you can be self-aware without sitting with yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and so being quiet, actually being quiet and trying to distract, un- live a life that or have and set aside time that is undistracted time for you. Um, and then whatever spiritual background you subscribe to, in my case, it's, you know, Jesus and God is spending time trying to commune with my, what I call my creator, you know, what I believe to be, um, the person who created me, um, who knows me more than I know me and, and trying to commune with him and say, Hey, who am I? How, you know, what makes me tick? How did you make me? Um, I think that's a really incredible, but I think it starts with being quiet. And I think that, uh, when you start becoming more self-aware, I don't think you can teach self-awareness necessarily, but I think you can definitely grow in it. Um, and I think you do that by simply just being humble enough to say, I don't know myself entirely. I need to figure myself out. Being humble enough to ask people around you. I think that there's something key to the people around you, your loved ones. Um, give them safe space to say, this is who you are. And if you can, you know, I go to my wife and say, hey, Rachel, uh, I'm going to give you freedom here. Whatever my flaws are, whatever you think are things that I'm powerful in. I want to give you the freedom to explain those things. So what, what do you think I'm good at? What do you think that I'm bad at and need to improve in and giving that safe space? And you probably have to reiterate that a couple different times, but uh, giving them space to kind of communicate. And I think that's going to help you on your journey is when you realize it for yourself and you see what other people see, um, that's going to really help you. I have a couple friends who one in particular, one of my best friends who really struggles with like who he is. Um, what am I good at type of thing? Uh, I think he's kind of in a really cool journey right now where he's asking people around him and he's taking on a business coach to help him discover that. And so investing in yourself, um, I think one of the, and then back to the beginning, the best investment you can make is just sitting alone, being quiet, journaling, writing, talking out loud, whatever it is that makes you tick. Um, I think that's kind of how you start to get in touch with your soul. Mm, I love that. Yes. And it's a, it's an uncomfortable thing to do, but it is so important because everything starts with that. So I really agree. Yeah. I was going to ask you, I know this is, you're interviewing me kind of, but I want to ask you, what what do you think is for that? I'm sure your audience. Oh, this is a plot twist. Yes. This has never happened. Um, (laughs) For me, I would, I would agree. Self-awareness is like huge in everything. Everything starts with you. And yes, like you mentioned your religious background, like there's so many different factors that can also go into it, but like the base of everything, the peanut butter on the um, toast, because I just had that the other day, that's what comes to mind, is (laughs) the peanut butter is that you need to be with yourself and allow yourself to be in that space of kind of discomfort and Mm -hmm push past it because as you keep pushing past that, 
it's even though it's hard, it's beautiful. And you see things and learn things and feel things that you're not able to feel without being in that space of getting to know who you are and being open with those, hey, like, Mm. this is bad. Hey, I don't like this feeling. Hey, this feels not good. Or I don't like this about myself. And um, listening to those things and using them not as bad, but using them as tools and being compassionate with yourself along the way. Mm. Yeah, I love that. I think um, being okay with who you are, but not being complacent would probably be the phrase that comes to mind. Like, realize that when you learn when you when you go down this this path of self uh awareness or exploration that you might find things out about yourself that are a little shocking but Mm -hmm. don't let that scare you i think press into that so i love that i think really as you start exploring trying to understand yourself and who you are and, and who you're made to be don't let the negative things scare you also don't the positive things scare you. There's like one realization to me is I'm, I'm capable of a lot more than I thought I am. And that realization that I can use that for good or bad was a really good realization for me. Uh, and it was kind of scary to know that I can make a lot of things happen with my words, and with my actions. Um, and then on the flip side of that is the negative things. These are insecurities or areas where I feel inadequate. Be okay with those things and don't be shocked when you see things that you uncover that maybe you didn't know about yourself. Um, there's a lot of power in figuring that out. So that's really cool. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Where can everyone find you and get in touch with you if they want to? Yeah. The easiest place honestly is LinkedIn. Uh, I hate that always being my answer, but it's just true. I've got a decent, <laughs> decent network size of seven or 8,000 on there. And so please, um, connect with me, shoot me a note. Let me know that, uh, you heard me on this podcast and I'd love to help you as you explore, um, you know, your own passions and who you are and what you want to accomplish. Um, I think it's an awesome journey. I commend you if you want to go down that path and, uh, yeah, LinkedIn, which, uh, is just linkedin.com forward slash I in forward slash Joey Gilkey. Joey Gilkey. All right. Well, thank you so much, Joey, for everything that you shared with everyone and everyone uh, until next time, speak your soul.